Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Carrie. Okay. Hi, everybody. There's nothing for me to read, right? Okay. And what am I doing? Experience, strength, and hope. Excellent. Um, I'm Carrie, compulsive reader. Hi, Hi, everybody. I sound like this. I just am getting over the flu. I've been told I'm not infectious, so don't anyone be afraid, but I'm not going to touch you anyway, just to be safe. So, um, I... uh, I always forget to say this part, so I'll start with it. Um, I've been in program for probably 12 and a half years, around 12 and a half years, and then I've been abstinent for around 11 and a half years. July is my abstinence date, so whatever month this is, plus the math equals how many months it is past whatever, 11. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know, I think I've always had some version of this disease. Um, The big book talks about we are like men who have lost their legs. Once we lose them, we never grow new ones. And I don't know when exactly I lost my metaphorical legs. Um, I don't know if I I could have stopped when I was a kid if I had chosen to. But like the big book also says, very few of us choose to because why would we? Um, You know, so I kind of didn't. I just didn't. It didn't occur to me to stop. It didn't occur to me that anyone would want to stop. Um, I wanted to have a certain body, but I didn't want to actually stop compulsively eating because that seemed crazy. Um, it seemed impossible more than crazy. And I, I can't, because I don't know when I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember a time when I wasn't very interested in food. I don't remember a time before um, some element of the disease showed up. So I can't say kind of what it was like before I was messing around with food. Um, you know, the body stuff started uh, probably around puberty, kind of as soon as I noticed I had a body. Um, it was not the right body that I should have had, you know. There was some magic body that I was supposed to have, and it certainly wasn't mine. Um, and I don't, you know, I I think right around that same period, pretty much as soon as I noticed I had a body, I started the, well, how do I change this body, which was the dieting, the exercise. Um, you know, I tried the puking. You know, I just can't physically, like my body, even if I'm totally ill, it really doesn't like throwing up, so that thing didn't work. But it seemed really like a great idea. But unfortunately, or fortunately, it didn't work. Um, didn't know about laxatives. Um, now this is podcast. I feel bad for giving people all this information. Don't try it. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I didn't know about that one. I tried the chewing up, spitting out thing, but the, the fun of food, fun in horrible quotes, um, was that that feeling of it going down. That feeling of like, you know, your throat being opened for one second and being able to breathe, I think, in retrospect, like that incredible tension that happens, you know, when I right before I needed to binge or in life in general where I just can't breathe. um, I think having gigantic pieces of food would just physically from the inside massage that for one second so that I could breathe a little. And um, 
you know, that was, I didn't, it didn't occur to me I could, like, do it from the outside or something else useful. But that just made it feel better. Um, so the chewing, chewing up and spitting out thing, I didn't, I didn't get it. It wasn't about the taste of food. I mean, I would have told you it was. I would have told you that I was a foodie and that I, you know, I, I met cultures through their food and, you know, um, I got to know, I, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It would have all been crap. Um, it, the truth is I just didn't know how not to. And, uh, you know, that was a good cover story. So a lot of what I did was a good cover story. It was about how do I how do I try to seem sane to the world and to myself when I'm not actually? Um, how do I how do I pretend to be normal with food? How do I get to eat as much as I can and not have it show up on my body? First of all, like through choosing what I'm binging on. Um, through trying to be on a diet and trying to control it with various degrees of success. Um, You know, and like we say, things over time always got worse. It got harder to get on the diet. It got harder to start the exercise. Um, You know, I tried anorexia, and, you know, it it would work for a minute, but then the demons would be back, and I'd have to eat again. Um, And the, the control was there in limited amounts, but there was always a reason not to. There was always a reason to go back to the food. Um, and the reason was inevitably crazy. It inevitably wasn't, um, it didn't make any sense, you know. Or it made sense, like probably starving yourself isn't a great idea. But that wasn't the problem. It was never, the problem was ever never the not eating, it was the, it was the eating. Um, Food was just kind of, it worked. It solved the problem. The problem being, how do I live on this planet? Um, I was very successful in a lot of ways. I did well in school. I was very popular. Um, You know, I did well in work. And it didn't matter. The food was how I did that. The food was, okay, I can't sleep and I can't have any fear and I can't not know what to do and I can't not know how to be around people, so I'll just eat. And, you know, there's this phenomenal array of options in, of, in like, chemical options in food so that I can, like, pick a little of this substance and a little of that substance and mix them together to get whatever up or down I needed at the moment to keep me leveled out. And if I went too far, then I'd try another one, you know, and, and put a little of this and a little of that. And, you know, eventually I'd find that sweet spot, which or at least I would think to, you know, which allowed me to do whatever I was trying to do for a little while you know, for a little while. Um, And that was always the thing. It was like, how many hours did I waste, you know, trying to manage, trying to um, find that sweet spot, you know, either thinking about the food or getting the food or um, hating myself for having gotten the food or having eaten the food or trying not to eat the food or working off the food or, um, you know, continue, 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 always. Like, there was just so many hours. It was definitely a full-time job trying to deal with the food, you know. So I had I had multiple jobs. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad now one of the side effects of being in recovery is that I don't have to do that. You know, I don't have to waste that time. I have so much more time now, you know. I take a little bit of time to go to meetings. I take a little bit of time to talk to sponsees or text sponsees, talk to a sponsor, do some step work. And um, I get 
a bajillion hours back, you know. I get so much time back. I have hobbies now. I can take classes now. Like, I have relationships with, you know, people in ways that I didn't think were possible. Um, yeah, I think I thought that – I didn't know how you were supposed to be with people. I thought – I think you were – like, if they said they were feeling something or something was going wrong, you were supposed to brainstorm until you fixed it for them. So I didn't get the whole loving witness thing where you just kind of like, oh, you're struggling? I trust that you'll figure your own way out. It was like, oh, well, you're struggling, so clearly you're incompetent. Let me fix it. <laughs> like, I think that was my message underneath every conversation I had with anyone. Um, but what I would have thought – I would have told you I was, like, a really nice person – and, you know, I, I definitely tried to be, I, well, except for in elementary school. I was a villain. I was a, definitely a little warlord in elementary school. So short of that, though, after that, at some point, I became a decent human being. Um, but, you know, and even that, like, I mean, talking about amends, like some of my amends are to people in elementary school. And there are people who say, you know, if you're younger than 18, you don't have to make them. But to me, it's like I remember torturing people. I remember being a jerk, you know. So it's like my emotional stuff that I have to go and talk to them and say, like, wow, I'm sorry. I, I was a little sociopath, and I'm really sorry, you know. Um, I was high. I was high. I was high. I was high. I didn't feel like when someone else hurt, it was fascinating to me. I didn't understand. I couldn't feel pain, so I couldn't understand what that felt like. It took me getting in here and putting down the food where I really understood what pain was. Um, you know, like that metaphor that they talk about, you put your hand over a flame, and normal people are like, ow, and they pull their hand back. And they learn, like, flames are not something we stick our hands in. Well, when you're high all the time, you're just like, what's that smell of delicious barbecue? You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's me. Hold on a second. You know, maybe you should move your hand. But I didn't get that, you know. So... So I, I'm still learning certain things, like things that other people, I think, learned when they were much, much, much younger. I'm still learning them as an adult, um, which is clunky and awkward, and uh, I'm way better than I was, certainly. But it, it, I definitely, you know, the thing with program that's pesky is that it's slow, which is not, you know, I'm an addict. Slow is not my favorite speed. I like really, really now. Um, I don't even like fast. I like now. Um, it was that thing of, like, you know, when I'd first go on the new diet, I'd look down and I'd be like, this body is unacceptable. Okay. And then the next day I'm like, I did the exercise. I did the, you know, I did the diet. Why isn't it different? You know, that's such a shocking idea that something has to happen over time. It's very disturbing. I feel, I still feel sometimes like, come on, I exercise so much. Like, shouldn't I just be exempt? Like, I did so much freaking compulsive exercise. Shouldn't I just be hot forever? Like, that should just be the deal, you know? But unfortunately, that's not the deal. So, you know, I, I got to learn moderation in all things. And, and that's interesting, too, like learning moderation. You know, the steps, there are 12 of them, and they're long. And, you know, there are 12 traditions, and they're complicated. Like, I don't get to just, like, shabam, I'm done, you know. That would be awesome to do the one day, one, one day 12 steps. You know, that sounds dreamy. But that is not my experience of actually working the steps. I'm at my core a binger, and what I like to do is do a bunch, then not do it, then do a bunch, then not do it, then do a bunch, and that's my way, and that's okay. That's how I live, and that's, like, my path. It's towards more moderation, and that path is a long path. So, 
you know, I don't get to be the magical, perfect, balanced person who does. I'm like, I have so many schedules. I love schedules. That's the way I used to love diets. Like, I'll do this for five minutes, and then this for five minutes, and then I'll be spiritual awake, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, come on. It's just maybe one day, maybe when I have 97 years of abstinence and I'm up here, I will be able to say that, but that is not currently my experience. Um, so I do everything badly. You know, I do the steps badly. I work them very irregularly. Or the truth is, it probably was regular in the part where it was me talking to my sponsor. My sponsor, incidentally, I, I found him probably six or eight months after I got into the program. Um, my first year, you'll notice I've been in for about 12 and a half years in abstinence for, abstinent for 11 and a half. That is because for that first year, I was not abstinent, which is not super fun. Um, but for me, very, very necessary. I needed to get that I was powerless. I needed to become willing to go to any lengths. And then I was ready to work certain steps, like it says in the big book. So... Once that step happened, I was ready. I was really ready to work certain steps. I saw it. I got it. The first three steps were working me, or more specifically, the first step was working me. Um, All my excuses were finally stripped away about why my body wasn't how I wanted it to be and why I couldn't eat the way I wanted. Um, And I, I finally was humbled enough to think maybe someone else could help me and maybe someone else would want to help me because that was you know, as confusing, like I couldn't ask people. The first girl, well, I think the first person I asked to sponsor me said yes, and she sponsored me for a while, and it worked kind of, but it just, it wasn't the right match for me. And then the second woman I asked to be my sponsor, I asked her to be my sponsor because she could cry, and I thought that was super cool. And that was pretty much as far as the thinking went. Um, And she was great, and, you know, she recovered, and it worked for her. But, you know, that was, I just thought that was an amazing thing that she could do, um, because I hadn't in a long, long, long time. And uh, I had always prided myself on that. And then, lo and behold, you know, as I started working steps, I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> and I really believed, like, I, I'm going to die from crying. I will die because all I do is cry now. And then, you know, the amazing thing that I came to learn was, no, you won't. Dying won't actually kill you as long as you've taken fluids. You're probably not going to, like, shrivel up and die. And it can... You can, like, it's not like my ability to stop crying goes away because I don't have food. Like, I have all these other magical tools, you know, to change, to, like, not for a while, to take a break. And um, that was kind of amazing. That was an amazing realization. And, like, there are all these different flavors of crying. Like, I learned that you can cry without any tears coming out of your face. And so it's great if you're on the way to someone and you don't want to mess up your makeup. Like, I learned all these fun tricks, you know. So anyway, um, so I got, um, there was a guy who was, you know, who had been around the rooms and he had some time and um, he was an anorexic and I said, you know, he said, you know, find, just maybe find a temporary sponsor because I was looking for like the perfect person and I said, well, will you be my temporary person? And he he said yes. And he said, but you're going to have to get a woman because I'm not going to listen to your fourth step and all this stuff. He did. (laughs) You know, he eventually did. I mean, I ended up getting a couple people to listen to my fourth step. And I kind of, you know, I just, I had three people listen to it. And I just did chunks and knocked it out. But, um, you know, it got done. And he took me through all 12 steps. And uh, I, I thought he should be my palsy. I thought I should tell him everything. And we should hold hands and be friends. And, you know, that he was going to tell me how to fix my life. And that was not what happened. He was like, I don't know. Talk to your higher power. Uh, I don't know. Ask God. I don't know. What does God say about it? I don't know. Let's look in the, the big book. I don't know. Let's look in the A12 and 12. Like, he never knew the answer to any of the pressing questions of my life. <laughs> he refused to give me the information I needed 
And so I was forced to seek other, you know, sources, i.e. a higher power, 12 steps, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, and that's, you know, ultimately, like, I saw the wisdom in that. And, you know, my poor sponsees at the beginning, I tried to be their palsies and hold their hands. And all. Oh, those poor, poor, sweet human beings. Um, because that was like, what did I know? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I thought I knew something, and I really didn't. And lo and behold, now it's kind of like, I don't know. What is what is the big book stay? I don't know. Like, I sponsor way more like I was sponsored by that original sponsor. And I, I, act, I interact with my sponsor in the same way. Like, is it about the steps? I'm like, okay, what's my next step assignment? And my sponsor tells me, and I do it, and then I call my sponsor up, and we get together, and I read it. And between those times, sometimes I'll call, and I'll say there's this thing in my life that I need to talk about, um, and I can't talk to my fellows because they're involved or something, and then I'll talk to my sponsor. But, you know, largely I talk to my program fellows to get their feedback, and because, quite frankly, if I don't agree with them, I'm going to ignore them anyway. So, you know... <laughs> Oh, well, some of us, it takes longer. Um, and I, you know, and now largely I go to a higher power, like, okay, what is what is the next intuitive decision? What's, what is it? And no one else can tell me that. You know, I can get feedback. I can work through this, the craziness surrounding it, but it comes down to, you know, regardless of what seems to make sense, what actually is the next, next action. Um, and it's not always obvious. Um, and it's not always what I would think it would be either, which is surprising. Um, so, so anyway, so uh, eventually I came into OA, found a sponsor. Um, before then, it was a lot of eating, <laughs> a lot of eating, a lot of binging, a lot of craziness, um, a lot of self-hatred. And then once I got in here, it was kind of just like steps, steps, steps. The tools helped me build the steps. This is not a 12-tool program. It's a 12-step program. I'm so grateful to whoever told me that and taught me that because um, I want to believe that meetings and service commitments and literature and all this stuff can make me abstinent and keep me abstinent. And that first year proves to me it did not and could not. So the only thing that gave me the necessary psychic change to become a different person, a person who doesn't have to go to food, was to do what it said to do in the steps. Um, and that process is super weird. It's very abstract. Um, I want to believe, like, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Which is strange that something worked and I don't understand it. It's shocking, actually. Um, and that's a great lesson for me. Like, I don't have to believe in something for it to work. That is so huge in my life. Like, you don't believe it's going to work? Awesome. Believe you're going to fail. Have fantasies about how you're going to fail. Have fantasies about how you're going to burn in flames and go down while you suck at whatever it is you're doing. Cool. Keep believing you're going to suck. And go anyway. Show up anyway. Like, I go to dance class now. First of all, it's fascinating because there are those mirrors, and apparently you're not supposed to look at your butt. You're actually supposed to look at the dance moves, which is amazing. I didn't know that. I thought it was for self-hatred. I thought it was like the self-hatred machine. And it's amazing how much more dance you learn when you're actually looking at dance and not at yourself in the mirror. So, I, you know, it's, it's amazing what recovery does. Um, I went back in after years of not doing that, and I was like, wow, this is super effective. Um, and that's kind of what recovery is. It's like all these experiences I had had before and had judgments about or had opinions about, like, I do them now and I have a different experience of them um, because I'm a different person because that's what the 12 steps give me. It changes me into a different person. I feel like I'm the best parts of who I was for every from every section of my life before program and... 
that's amazing. Like, I'm the cool parts of when I was a teenager. I'm the cool parts of when I was a child. I'm the cool parts of when I was a 20-something. And now I'm just like a combination of all those things, you know, growing into an adult human. Um, very badly, very lumpily, very unfortunately. And that's great. Like, I get to do things badly now, which I never did before program. Um, that's amazing. I mean, that, that shows me massive growth within me, that I'm willing to be bad at stuff and let you see me try and fail. Woo! That's a big one. And I learned that in a year. I learned that from, you know, taking service commitments and trying to work the steps and having it take four freaking ever and coming in and not being abstinent over and over and not having everyone go like, you're a loser. You can't get abstinent. Get out, you loser. You know, like I just got to come in here and have people be like, yeah, keep coming back. Keep coming back. It takes it what it takes. We just keep coming back. And, um, you know, that's a great lesson. Um, and I get in, in working steps like four, five, six, seven, um, which are the steps about where I look at myself and then I uh, tell people my deep, dark secrets and then I get to kind of grow compassion for my own defects of character and then apologize to people where I've been a jerk. Like in doing that process, somehow I also got more patient with myself. I got more compassionate. Um, I, I don't judge people as much as I used to. I don't, um, I don't have as many opinions. And that goes for my body as well, which was huge. Like, I did a big fourth step about specific things in my physical being, my spiritual, my emotional being that I didn't like. And the amazing thing is those things are largely removed now. I can look at me and be like, hey, good looking. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's remarkable. And I, I can do that while not being crazy. Like, I fully acknowledge I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that's awesome because that would be too many cups of tea. Like, <laughs> you know, thank God there are many cups of tea and we all get to drink, you know. So it's kind of, it's just nice to be one of many, to be in the world, to be humble Humble being, you know, my sponsor told me we look up words in the dictionary when we don't know what they mean and, you know, when we're doing the steps. And I looked up the word humble, and the root word is hummus, not humus. Humus, not hummus. Sorry. I'm also a reader. Um, which is the earth, the ground. So to be grounded is to be connected to the ground. And I, I do a lot of volunteer work with animals, and, like, something they do is they always go back to the ground. When they get upset, when they get freaked out, they go and they lay down. They get connected again. And, like, there's a profound lesson for that in me. Like, oh, for that in me, in that for me, whatever. I have a flu. Don't blame me. Um, and so... Like something about getting connected to the ground and being in the truth of that. Like, I don't have to be everything. I don't have to solve everyone's problems. I don't have to. And that's very humbling because I want to. I, I still feel like when it's all done, then I can relax. It's like, no, no, no. You're, well, that's true. When it's all done, you're going to relax. <laughs> but you're not going to get back up again, maybe. Um, so it's good for me to, like, be imperfect and just stumble constantly. That's that's the biggest gift of OA. Yes, I am probably 50 pounds less than I, when in my top weight. Um, I don't have to exercise a minute, and I will maintain the weight where I am now. I'm at a healthy body weight, and that has been stable for, I don't know, the past 10, 11 years, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, I like myself. I'm much better with people. I have an emotional life now. I know how to tend to it. Um, I have a spiritual life, which I definitely didn't want when I came in, and uh, turned out to be very handy, which also is amazing that it could be handy instead of just theoretical, like that it's actually physical and practical and useful. Um, that I did not know a spiritual life could be. Um, so I'm 
So I'm glad for all those things. Like that, those were all gifts of the program I didn't think I would get. I didn't, I didn't know to expect. So now we have time for questions or no? Okay, good. Let's have questions for the things I forgot. Thanks for letting me share. Yes, can I talk about dealing with an anxiety? With anxiety. With anxiety, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, anxiety for me a lot of times is um, it's fear. And, you know, fear, the big book talks about, is the corroding thread. And there are fear prayers on page 68 of the big book, which I use a lot. Um, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And God, please demonstrate through me what you can do. Um, because... It gets me out of it being me. It gets me out of it being my thing, which isn't to say that I don't still have anxiety. Definitely there are times when, for whatever reason, um, either I've made situations in my life where I just have too much to do and, and or life has just happened in a way that is too much, like I'm only a human. And it's, there are limits. Like That's something I've learned in program, too. And there are limits to space, time, and energy. And that's humbling because I don't want there to be. Um, but, you know, I, I've i learned that no matter how much I think I should be able to do, I can't. I just can't. And what I have to do, and I will fight and kick and scream and make myself crazy and not be able to breathe for days on end sometimes um, to be in that anxiety, is, oh, yeah, you have to stop. You have to stop and give it back to God. And I don't want to. There's stuff I'm like, my higher power is, or the universe is clearly doing a horrible job of managing X, Y, or Z, and the results are unacceptable. And I don't want to turn those things over because I don't think they're going to be taken care of the way I think they should be taken care of. And, oh, well, oh, well, too bad. It doesn't matter what I think. It basically comes back to I can believe what I want, and I still have to turn it over because... I'm just going to go crazy and go down with a sinking ship. Like, I have to just give it back. I have to give it back. And that process is hard, and it's painful sometimes, really painful. Um, and having to pray for, you know, people that you, you think are not good human beings or whatever the circumstance, that's hard. That's really difficult. Um, but, you know... I don't have another choice. So that's a lot of it, trying to give it over, trying to work steps one, two, and three, trying to work, you know, like a four and a five, trying to do a ten step on it, like, you know, what can I do? Serenity prayer, getting back to serenity prayer. What can I do? What can't I do? God help me figure it out and deal And like, courage, courage, courage. Courage is a big one in, you know, this point in my recovery. Like, God, I know this thing needs to happen, and I can't. I need courage. Like, I just can't do it. I need you to do it for me because I can't. And that's, that's hard. You know, that's, that's like recovery advanced. Um, and somehow through that process and through the process not only of stopping and for me, like, prioritizing, like, you know, having just gotten really sick, I thought there were a lot of things that had to happen this week. I was wrong. <laughs> what needed to happen was me laying in a bed for, you know, seven days straight. And, um, that is sometimes it's like I gotta shut it down. I gotta go to bed. Um, I have to eat meals. I have to prepare and eat meals for myself. Like basic human stuff that I think normal people just do. I have to stop and force myself to do. Um, and sometimes I don't, and I suffer for that. And then I get to try to do it better next time. That's the biggest thing. Like anxiety for me has a lot to do with sleep. It has a lot to do with me thinking it's my responsibility. Um, yeah, and I just gotta fear, 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 fear. 
And then I do anxiety inventories. Like the big book says resentment's the number one offender. Fear is the corroding thread. We all have sex problems. But the implication is there are other things that give us trouble. So I'll do trust inventories. I'll do anxiety inventories. I'll do, you know, I'll use the same uh, five-column format from the big book for the, uh, the resentment inventory. And I just, I'm anxious about what, why, what parts of me are affected. Um, and then I make up some anxiety prayers or I'll use the fear prayers. I say them. And then I say, what's my part physically, emotionally, spiritually? What are my defects and Involved here, so that's kind of what I do in an ideal world. A lot of times, what I do is just suffer. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> I retain that right to suffer as much as I want. <laughs> Anyone else? So the question, as I understand it, is um, basically uh, someone is suggesting that you have to be absent before you work steps, and the question is how or is that possible my experience is not that my experience is that if I could be abstinent I wouldn't need to work steps Um, my experience is that the steps are what give me the necessary psychic change so that I don't have to eat food anymore so for me I wasn't abstinent until about mm, third end of third step coming into the fourth step in this the the first time I worked all 12 steps through Um, because you know, for me, it, the abstinence came when, uh, well, first of all, it's, you know, I want to believe the physical comes first because I love to think about the physical. But for me, the spiritual had to come first, then the emotional built on it. And then on top of that, the physical came. Um, everyone has their own experience. Um, just, that's just mine. Mine was that, you know, in working the third step and turning it over, um, there was enough of a foundation that second by second, my my application, they talk about the right application of will, so my correct application of will towards working steps, being of service, um, and using a plan of eating, there was enough there was enough higher power that had already been allowed in that all of that together equaled reprieve from the food. Um, you know, again, that's just my experience. Like, I, I couldn't I couldn't be abstinent without steps. So I, it was in three and in the end of the A12 and 12 where it says, um, you know, in all time, it says, how do we work step three? And it says, in all times of emotional disturbance and indecision, we pause and we ask, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will be done. That's how the paragraph ends, and that was how I applied the third step on a second-to-second basis. In all moments of indecision or emotional disturbance, which was a lot of time, I paused, and I said that, and I said, thy will be done. And then the chapter ends, so I just waited, (laughs) because I didn't say what else to do. So I just waited, and it was like the next right action was presented to me, and it was like, brush your teeth, do some writing, walk out the door, sit down put on a shoe like it was that simple and then if at the end of putting on the shoe I didn't know what was to next okay I'm back to a moment of indecision again or an emotional disturbance so again I pause I ask for quiet I did that thousands of times thousands of times and somehow it rewired my brain enough that the food wasn't the solution because if I for me if I waited past that second then food was the answer, and I knew I could call one of you or work a step and uh, be, you know, have it be dealt with, but I didn't want it to be dealt with because I wanted the food at that point. Like, ain't none of you got to get in my way, so I'm not going to call you and have you tell me what the solution is and how to get better. I don't want to get better anymore, you know. So for me, it had to be right at that, like, tiny, uh-oh, 
like that teensy second, I had to catch it. I had like a bajillisecond to hop in there and do what the big book or the A12 and 12 said. And then if I did that and kept it that simple, somehow or other, I was able to survive second by second, day by day. And that's how I got the 11 and a half years. But other than that, I couldn't do it. But, you know, everybody has their own experience. So mm-hmm. um, I pause, which means I just stop. I stop physically, like I stop thinking, and I breathe. It says we pause, we ask for silence, and I literally would say silence, <laughs> or, you know, in my head if I, I don't want to be crazy. So I'd say, you know, like quiet, like quiet to my head, quiet to the world around me, and then I say, you know, God grant me the serenity, and God can be whatever. I, I mean, it can be group of dieters. It can be good orderly direction. It can be um, a literal something outside of me. It can be whatever. It can be anything I, that I believe it is or that connects and makes sense for me in that second. Um, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will be done. And then I just wait and see whatever the next thing is that comes into my brain is the right thing to do. That's the thing I do. And then I, you know, I just repeat that process as many times. Sometimes it would just be like one, like I get stuck and I do the thing once and the next action would be there and then I'd be fine for the rest of the day. But sometimes it was like there were some days when the anxiety was there when it was like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. And it was like a record scratching and I just had to like stop, move the record over, stop, move the record over, stop, you know. And it, it eventually it worked. Like those seconds became minutes, became hours, became days, became years. Um, but in the beginning, it was just seconds. It was like in this millisecond, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. What's the right thing to do? So the question is, or the, the comment is, did I always get an answer? And if not, then what did I do when there was no answer? Um, I think, yeah, immediate answer. Um, usually there was. Like, usually it was, you know, I mean, it was usually something simple or little. It wasn't something like, you know, sell everything, move to mountains. You know? It was like, it was more like brush your teeth, you know, try drinking some water. Like, it would be silly, you know, like silly, silly little teeny things, but those were the things that would catch me most of the time. You know, sometimes I'd do it about bigger stuff, but, um, you know, sometimes when the answer didn't come, it was like, okay, the answer is wait. The answer is I don't know what the answer is yet. you got to hang out. The answer is clearly to not do, to not choose right, right or left right now. Just not at this point. Because not is an answer. Quiet is an answer. Um, stillness is an answer. So then, you know, sometimes I would just, like, okay, pick up a tool. Like, and, like, you know, it's a toolbox. So sometimes I want a screwdriver. Sometimes I want a hammer. Not every tool fits every circumstance. And so... You know, sometimes it was like, oh, clearly it's time to, like, do some free-form writing where I just, like, rage on the page and put dots. Like, I would put dots, angry, angry dots, you know, for hours, or, like, ripping things, or, like, like sad, or crying, or whatever. Like, things would just kind of happen, or maybe it was, like, call and be of service. Get out of yourself. You're too in yourself right now. Call somebody else. Um, you know, it was kind of like the... Or, you know, it's kind of that thing of if going to a meeting generally makes me feel better, then it's probably a good idea to go to a meeting. So I would just, okay, I don't know what to do, but I, hey, look, there's a meeting. So I'm going to get in my car and just go to the meeting. And then I'll ask, you know, I'll ask the question later and see what the answer is. So, and that even, 
that's when God, like something outside of me, God, becomes good orderly direction or group of dieters. Like, if I don't know, I'll ask somebody else. Like, okay, I don't know whether to wear the black shoes or the brown shoes. What do I wear? And my friend would say black. I'd put them on and leave. Or I don't know, um, you know, what, like good orderly direction. Like, your teeth are filthy. Maybe you should brush them. <laughs> you know, brush, brush, brush. Okay, now with the next, you know, it was just what would, what would a sane person do in this moment kind of thinking. Um, but usually it was just just simple, simple little things would come back, you know, quiet voice, like, and it comes, that voice comes from somewhere else, it feels like it comes from somewhere in the middle of my brain, it physically feels like it's from a different place, so, oh, that's, oh, that's the voice, like, it's not the, like, "Ah!" crazy town voice, it's the, like, little quiet thing that says something really easy, generally, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, For me now, uh, the question was, what works for me now in my sponsorship? Like, what stuff kind of has changed, or um, what do I do? Now, um, I think I'm more realistic now about my life and what works for me and what doesn't. Um, There were times when I had as many as 13 or 14 sponsees, um, and eventually that got overwhelming. So now I'm more kind of realistic about... um, how much space and time there is in the world and in my life. And, you know, now a lot of times I'll say to my sponsees, like, uh, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't love being on the phone. It's, I don't, I just don't like it. I don't like, I, I do most of the phone when I'm driving, and I, I don't like driving and being on the phone. So I, now, so I do a lot of my sponsorship by text and by emails, just because, because it's easy and because I feel like sometimes, I know for me as a sponsor, I mean, as a sponsee, sometimes I won't pick up the phone, but I will send a text or an email. So, and that's, you know, that's a new thing. I'm just kind of perhaps starting with my sponsor. Um, And then I have, you know, I have other people I talk to about other stuff, but that's something like kind of being realistic about how much time I have and what works for me. Some people like the, you know, 6 a.m. every morning, blah, blah, blah. You know, for me, it was more like, okay, sponsor or sponsee, like, when are you free again? When am I free again? Cool, let's book a time then to talk, to work, to do whatever it is, step worky thing that we do. Um, also, I kind of, you know, I don't know if I would have done this in the beginning, but um, I kind of pick up people where they are. So if someone comes to me from another sponsor and they've already started working steps a certain way, instead of like, no, you have to do it the way I was taught. You know, I'm like, cool, we'll keep doing Is it working for you? Awesome. Let's just keep doing it the way you're doing then. And um, so I'll just keep them. And then, you know, maybe when they finish all 12, we'll go back and work the way that I had worked. But um, kind of whatever, in, in my experience, just working it works as opposed to how. The how is less important than the doing. So, yeah, I guess those are my... Yeah. And also, I suppose um, I'm not now I'm not afraid if something's not working that I'm going to, like, destroy a sponsee or it's kind of like if it's not working, it's not working. And it's okay for me to be like, oh, here you go, little bird. Go find, you know, the nest that's the right nest for you, you know, Um, because that's what had to happen for me because I didn't find my the right sponsor immediately. And our need for the type of sponsor we need shifts too. So I kind of don't think I'm as important as I think I thought I was in the beginning. So, you know. <laughs> so the question is, um, what do I, what do I do on a daily basis to keep the momentum going? Um, 
first I will say everything very badly, which is to say, like, I'm not a regimented person. Like, I, I mean, there's certain things, like I do brush my teeth a couple times a day, but that's about it. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's the tool and toolbox thing. Like some things, some days I'm going to need this tool and not that tool, and that's okay. And I'm a binger by nature, so I'm going to do more and I'm going to do less. And when the suffering gets enough, I'm going to do the work. And eventually the suffering will get to such a point that I'll do the work and I'll stay because the suffering is that big. Um, and that's okay. I think, I think the biggest thing is I just have patience with it now. It's kind of like, oh, this is a long-term thing. And balance, I don't know who explained this to me or where it came from, but I have this idea of balance is like, balance, balance is very still. And balance isn't, balance is like, flippity, 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 flippity. Like, when you think of those people on the balancey things, they're not still. They're wobbling back and forth. And, whoa, they go this far, too far. Whoa, too far that way. Whoa, they're more stable. Whoa, you know, like, that's balance. It's upsy-downsy land. So I think I kind of accept, like, thank you, um, that it's upsy-downsy land now and that, you know, it works itself out. I just, I have friends in the program. That really helps. And they're smart asses. And that really helps too. Because nothing is so, like, serious. So thank you for letting me share.